number 10 for Brendan Taylor. Oh, got the Australian captain. We're talking about Rivada. We're talking about how good he is. And there it is. It's 39th one day international 100. The King gets his crown at the Adelaide Go on, take it. Deep mid-wicket. Glenn Maxwell celebrates. Eric Coley cannot believe it in the middle of the ground. Welcome to the Dean at Stumps podcast. Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket show with expert analysis by Dean Duplessis. Hello and welcome to the Dean at Stumps podcast with me, Dean Duplessis. Great to have you along. And if you're listening for the first time via a friend of a friend and you'd like to subscribe, well, it's pretty simple. All you do is you go to your preferred podcast app, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Google Drive. You search for Dean at Stumps and you have yourself an absolute field day because we have some very, very good interviews for you to listen to. Another man who is about to be added to the list, and it gives me a great deal of pleasure to be having a chat with him at last, former Zimbabwe captain and one of the country's best leg spinners, Graham Creamer. Creams, how are you doing? Fine, thank you, Dina. It's good to, good to hear your voice again. Yeah, it certainly is good to hear your voice again. So uh, just for the sake of the listeners who are not, are not really too sure what's happened to you, where are you and what are you up to these days? Um, so I'm in Dubai at the moment. Um, well, we live here. We're residents here. Um, we're here nearly two years um, so the reason for the move was my wife got a job as a pilot for Emirates. So that was the reason for the move. And, yeah, we thought at the time of my career and her career, it was the best move at the time as, you know, factoring in the kids also. Yeah, that uh, makes a great deal of sense. And, and uh, now you've got yourself quite a nice job as well. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so the Rajasthan Royals Academy has just opened up here in Dubai and they kindly asked me to be academy director, which was awesome. And, you know, I'm working with some great guys, Will Kitchen and Dougie Brown. Uh, they're heading the whole program. And, yeah, it's good to be involved. Uh, we are week, a week into the program now. Um, so it's been exciting. It's been <laughs> A bit of a shock being back in, you know, out in the sun again. But, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. I mean, as you rightly say, it's some very, very big names there. Dougie Brown, a very experienced campaigner. Um, I, I wonder, do you know how they went about sort of choosing? Was there a panel that, that decided that uh, they wanted you as director? Did you have some form of an application that you, that you had to fill in? Or were you simply just headhunted and, and approached? Uh, it was more of a headhunting thing. So I've done some work with Dougie Brown before with the UAE team. I know him from before that. Um, I've had some dealings with Will Kitchen. He was at the ICC Academy. He was general manager there. Um, so I know both of them very well, and they know me. So I think when it came to applications, they they sort of thought I was the best person for the job, and then you know, they approached me and I kindly accepted. Oh, well, it's a massive honor, it certainly seems to me. So now, what, what I mean, are, are, do you get to actually watch the Rajasthan Royals in action, given the fact that the IPL is actually played in that part of the world? Do you go to a couple of the grounds or are you mainly focusing on the academy and, and that's that? 
Uh, Dina, I think if the situation was a bit different with COVID, we could. Yeah. But unfortunately, they, they're not letting people into the ground. So not even extra you know, stuff. Ideally, it would have been, been nice. I mean, to I mean, I'm sure some of the players would have come out to the academy two days ago. Uh, Shane Warne came out to the academy, so that was awesome. Um, he's out of the bubble, so he's not uh, with the team and stuff at the moment. So he was able to come out, uh, which was amazing. And, yeah, so I think in the future when things are a bit different, like we'll have a lot more interaction with the Royals team. Yeah, absolutely. All right, mate, so that, that is absolutely wonderful. And uh, we'll obviously be watching your, your progression as the director of the academy, and hopefully that will lead to bigger and better things. And, of course, Shane Warne, I know, has a great deal of affection uh, for the Rajasthan Royals because he captained them to, the, to their first win back in 2008 when uh, the Rajasthan Royals won the uh, IPL, the inaugural IPL. So, gosh, it, it, must, it must be amazing interacting with him as well. Yeah, it was it was amazing. So we had a girls' camp going on at that stage where the top twenty uh, one uh, girls in in the UAE got to have a camp for three days, and the top six were selected to go across to the Rajasthan Royals Academy in India for a ten day program, and then come back and join our academy. And Warney was out, you know, just to just to, well, not really pick the six, but hand out the, you know, the the caps to the six girls and congratulate them and it's sort of a ceremony. So that was that was nice. We got to catch up with him and, yeah, always good. Absolutely. All right, so let's talk a bit about your career now. It's one of those careers that, uh, you, like so many Zimbabwean cricketers, you were, I guess, almost forced into a situation where you had to start playing international cricket at a very young age due to all sorts of things that happened. Um, it, it obviously was it was an interesting career because, uh, sadly, you know, you had to learn your trade with a very inexperienced team. Um, I'm wondering how you remember your first test match, which, of course, was against Bangladesh back in, in January 2005. Very friendly spinner, you know, friendly, good for the spinners, but you still obviously had to learn very quickly and on how to bowl to batsmen who were very good players of spin. How much of that first test match do you remember? Uh, yeah, quite a lot. And it was what I remember the most was like getting into the test match and and thinking, like, maybe I don't actually belong here because this is tough. This is really tough. Um, and then, you know, something happens in the game and you're like, okay, maybe I actually can play this game yeah. at this level. So, like, cricket is always, like, trying to get the best out of you. Um, but, you know, obviously uh, we lost the series 1-0. Uh, um, but we had a, well, for me, I was 17 at the time. So it was, it was just a real experience for me. Um, not the best experience, obviously losing the series, but, you know, to be involved in something like that was amazing. And, you know, to pick up a couple of wickets also, a couple of test wickets was a dream come true, you know, so. All in all, like it was, it was just amazing for me to be involved in that. 
I think what, what <clears throat> one thing that really stands out, uh, there's a, a couple of things that stand out uh, about you, but one of those is you, you don't really seem to be very flustered. You don't seem, certainly, you know, looking at you uh, from, uh, looking at you on the field and that when you used to play, often when bowlers were being, were being punished, you know, being, when they bowled badly or batsmen really got on top of them, you could see the body language that they were, became very despondent or at times very angry. Now, I'm sure you also became despondent and angry, but you never really showed it. So you weren't one of those bowlers who used to kick at the turf or shout and scream and things like that. Certainly not that I know of, at least. But um, and, and despite, so I remember this test match at Newlands, which again would have been a, a huge baptism of fire, bowling to Graham Smith and A.B. de Villiers, who opened the batting in those days, and and, and both of them really getting on top of you. But you got the better of them because you ended up taking the only three wickets that fell in the South African innings. I mean, tell us a bit about that test because Zimbabwe were bowled out so cheaply and then along come de Villiers and Smith and you think that they're kind of going to play test match cricket and they didn't. They totally and utterly disrespected the Zimbabwe bowling. It must have been a frightening experience. Yes, indeed. You know, like it, it was like we were playing on two different wickets, to be honest, because when we batted... The ball swung and it seemed around. I mean, they, they had world-class seamers. Yeah. I mean, we had we had streaky and stuff, but you know, just the the level that they were playing at was was you know way above ours. But like I said before, like cricket is always trying to test you, and like although it took a bit of a hammering, it was you know awesome to pick up three scalps like the Villiers, Smith, and Callis. So again, like you think to yourself, that was tough, but maybe I can play at this level. Um, and again, I was young. Um, you don't know what to expect, you know, a test match in South Africa, you know. So again, um, amazing experience for me. Um, tough again, mm. but yeah, it, it was enjoyable the whole way. So as you were growing up and at, at that very young and, and quite vulnerable age, you know, you could have been emotionally ruined like many players um, who, who um, had that, that sort of experience. And the problem was that it was the entire team who were relatively inexperienced. So as you say, Streaky, his streak was there, Andy Bluchnot was there, Dion Ibrahim, Tatenda Taibu, Hamilton Masakadza, they, well, Streak and Streak especially had, had huge amounts of experience. But... Who were the people that you looked up to as a youngster? Because, I mean, ideally, in a, in a I suppose, perfect world, you would have liked to have looked up to the likes of, for example, Paul Strang or, you know, a, a former leg spinner who could have taught you your trade and who had the experience of, of bowling well at test level. So from a spinner's perspective, was there anybody in particular who, who took you under their wing and, and who you looked up to? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so the first person that comes to mind was obviously Ray Price. Yeah. I mean, he, he came back from Worcester and like he was just amazing for me because like doesn't matter what happened. Like it, he always instilled that belief in me. Like I could compete at that level and he was, you know, just telling me all the experiences he had and it's not all bright the whole time. And so, you know, and Ray being a, a great bowler in his own right, you know, made me think like not even the great bowlers don't have good days all the time. So, yeah, I've, I've got a, a lot of time for Ray Price and he had a lot of time for me when I was playing. Um, 
so, so in terms of role model, it was it was Ray Price, and he was the one who, who really took me under his wing. Yeah, and of course, um, I would imagine. You and, I mean, Prosper would say it would have been around slightly longer than you. Different type of bowler than what you were. He was more of a of a container, and you were obviously with a wicket taker. So, I, I mean, obviously, leg spinner, off spinner, all of that. But I would imagine, you know, even he in his own quiet sort of way would have, would have helped you out a little bit as well. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Prosper was a great thinker on the field. Um, although he, w- he was more the, the shorter version of the game. Yes. And at that time, when I had first debuted and stuff, um, I was more longer version of the game. So we were sort of never really together until later on in my career when I started playing a lot more one-day one day cricket. Um, but just with him, like he was very very clever bowler and very cunning. Um, so it was, it was good to go to watch him go about his work um, in that way. Uh, and he was very quiet, so you wouldn't get a lot out of him. But if you just sit there and watch him, like you can pick up a lot of good things. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, what, would have been the, what would have been the game or the series? I suppose <laughs> the, the, the series back in 2017, that series win over Sri Lanka, I imagine, stands head and shoulders um, above the rest. But it, was there any other, other than that, were there any other games or series that you remember with a great deal of fondness, you know, where the team played well or where you had some personal success? Yeah, so I mean, the one that comes straight to mind is the Sri Lanka one, obviously. And not only because you won, it was like for me, I was captain at the time, but the thing that stood out for me the most was I felt for the first time like we had uh, 11 guys pulling in the same direction, like we had a great team morale, we had a, a good support staff. Um, so that was amazing. And then the, the other one I can think of is the tri-series we had uh, in Arari with oh. South Africa and Pakistan, where we won that um, tri-series. Um, I don't know if you can remember the that. T20, the T20 one um, back in 2012. Yes, I do. Yeah. 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 So, so that was awesome for me also because I bowled nicely there and – you know, I just remember from that, like the crowd that was behind us. Um, you know, I I still have a lot of, a lot of fondness for the qualifiers. You know, even though we we couldn't get over that last hurdle, but again, like the the crowds we had, um, the spirit the team showed. You know, we had a lot of close games that. I think if we weren't playing as a team, that those um, close wins would not have gone our way. Yeah. Um, so that's that's really fun for me. You know, disappointing at the end, but really fun for me. Uh, uh, awesome experience, and to be able to captain through that was amazing. Yeah, did you enjoy your spell as captaincy? You, you, you seem to do it. I mean, again, you come across as being pretty quiet and, all right, well, fine, I've been with you when we've socialized and obviously that's a little bit different. But when, when you're on the field, you know, you, you don't really seem the very vocal, almost in-your-face type of captain. You almost kind of let the players get on with it and if you need to raise your voice, then you'll do that. So, uh, you know, I, no one was really sure what your style of captaincy would be when you took over as captain, uh, but it seemed to me that it, it was something that you enjoyed, at least for the majority of your career. Would that be correct? 
Yeah, I loved it. Uh, from the day I was appointed to the day it, it, it ended. Um, I suppose my style, like from the outside, it'll look like um, that I'm unemotional and stuff. But uh, I tell you what, on the inside, I'm fighting with myself the whole time. Uh, so, yeah, so it's, uh, I suppose in a way, it, it's, I, I've, I thought that was one good attribute about me as a captain was that my team would never see me as, okay, our skipper's thrown in the towel. You can see by his emotion. So in, in that way, I think it was good for the guys, even though we went through some tough, tough periods. I, I think, you know, whether we were winning or losing, you wouldn't know it by looking at my face. Mm. So, so I think that was good for the guys and, yeah, and no, I, I really enjoyed it. And it's a pity it ended when it did, but, you know, that's, that's part of the game, I suppose. Yeah, did you, did you sort of have a feeling when that game was, was played against the UAE, the World Cup qualifier, and Zimbabwe lost that game? Did you already then know this is it? We, I think I'm done with this? Or did you still have the drive to want to come back and say, well, you know what, we need to put this behind us and we need to try and pick up the pieces and carry on. Oh, yeah, definitely. No, you know what, I mean, sackings are, are part of sport. Um, I think after we lost that game, um, me and Streaky knew we could be in the firing line. Uh, we didn't know it was going to be the whole coaching staff, but certainly us too, we thought, okay, well, there's a chance here, but... You know, I said to Streaky, um, and we both agreed that, you know what, we gave it everything, and we just fell at the last hurdle. I mean, you know, that can happen to any team. So, you know, we, we weren't too disappointed with, um, with uh, you know, losing, losing um, well, me getting stripped of captaincy and him as coach. We're more disappointed that we couldn't, like, get over that last hurdle, especially because of the fans and the way they turned up, you know, over the course of the qualifiers. So that was the most disappointing part for us. So you would have played uh, in, in front of very big crowds, Bangladesh and, and a couple of other big, very vociferous vocal crowds. But, and I mean, I too, as you know, you and I were, have been together in Bangladesh, so I know what it's like to be on the subcontinent and, and experience those big crowds. But to me, Creams, that, that especially that the, the game that Zimbabwe lost, that, that very crucial game, I don't think I've ever been to a ground with such an atmosphere, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, certainly there weren't 35 or 40,000 people. There were probably maybe 15,000, but they made enough noise to rival the biggest crowds we would have been to. I mean, just just talk us through that day, please. I mean, the different emotions that you would have experienced. You know, there would have been some very good points, and then there would have been, obviously, the, the real sad point. But t tell us what, what it was like arriving at the ground, uh, and, and, and just talk us through that the whole game and the, and the various emotions that you went through as captain? Yeah, so, um, I mean, we were really pumped for that, for that last game because we knew what was on the line, you know, a World Cup place. And, you know, our chats before the game and certainly my chat with the guys were, you know, let's go out and play our best cricket. Let's not worry about what they want, what they're going to do. Let's play our best cricket on this day. And then we can be assured that we will get a spot, you know. And then, 
I think they got to 240 odd. Yeah, round about there. Uh, and we thought, yeah, we thought 250 is about a pass score and, you know, we're happy with the, with our batting lineup that we can chase that down. And then unfortunately with the, with the Duckworth Lewis, I think it, we needed 230 odd after oh, 42 overs, you know, which, which made it, you know, tough, not out of our reach, but real tough. And then, you know, I mean, the UAE boys, they, they bowled nicely and we just lost wickets at cru- crucial periods. Um, you know, and we were just trying to claw back the whole time and, you know, it was real pressure. I mean, sitting in the, in the change room, it was real quiet. They, you know, were clapping every run. You know, you could see everyone wanted to just get over the line. And, you know, and after that, when we needed six off the last and we didn't get it, you know, it was, you know, it was a real downer. I mean, the whole team, most of us stayed there four or five hours in the change room after the game. You know, it meant a lot to everyone um, to lose that game, and guys were really upset for for a while after that. I mean, it still hurts me, but mm-hmm. you know, I still have a lot of fond memories from that qualifiers. You know, the crowds, you know, being able to captain a team that wanted to win, and you know, a team that was pulling together. Um, so, you know, apart from that last game, it was it was a great experience. And you know, credit to all our guys that that played in that. Yeah, I, some people were of the, and of course, it's hindsight. And you know what? It's three years ago, really. But unfortunately, it's it'll just be something that gets spoken about. For example, the you know, from a South, a South African perspective, people twenty one years later still talk about the semi final that South Africa tied against Australia. You know, when Lance Klusen and Alan Donald were involved with that runout. But um, so, so unfortunately, this will always be spoken about. Now, hindsight is a wonderful thing, Creams. But many people felt that perhaps maybe Craig Irvin, because he likes a bit of extra time at the crease, should have batted up the order. So maybe even ahead of someone like PJ Moore or something like that. Um, Looking back at it now, do you think that that would have made, I can't say it made a difference, but maybe do you think if you could have gone back and changed anything of that game, what would you have liked to have changed? Uh, The result. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, To be honest, you know, I think that that was, that was destiny. I think, you know, it, no matter what we did on that day, I think the result um, was as it was supposed to be because we didn't, we didn't change much. Like our mindsets were not different. Like, our team was the same. Um, everyone was in the right headspace. Um, even if we had completely mixed up the middle order, it doesn't matter. Like we still had, doesn't matter if you send PJ in at three or Craig in at six, like all those guys are good players. Like they can win the game on their day, any, any day. So certainly, you know, it, it's, and hindsight is a good thing, and yeah, but I think it was at the time and before the game myself, Streaky um, came up with the best thing that we thought at the time, and you know, unfortunately, it, it's, it didn't work out. Mm. 
And and what, what I mean, did you have any feedback from the from the board afterwards? You personally, you know, was there at least some form of sympathy from the board, or uh, did they? Did you did you bear the brunt of their of their wrath? Basically, you know, was it was it pretty much uh, hostile and, and not very pleasant afterwards? Or how did they communicate with you after all of that happened? Um, so I didn't have any com- uh, communications with the board. Uh, it was just Faisal Hasnain, who was MD at the time. He was actually in Dubai at that time. Um, he got hold of me and he said, listen, this is what's happened. Um, the whole coaching staff has been axed and the board has asked you to step down as captain. So... I was given 24 hours and then I phoned Faisal back and I just said to him, like, if I, if I accept, if I do step down, it's like I'm admitting to doing something wrong, basically. Um, and, you know, I knew full well we gave it our best shot and it just didn't work out at the end. So I did say to Faisal, I said, if the board wants to get rid of me, they need to ask me officially as captain. And that's that's ended that ended up happening. So that's sort of what happened. But I didn't speak to anyone else, basically, um, chairman or any board member. So I didn't have any communication really, except from Faisal. Well, let's move away from that now because I can still bring a tear to my eye. I tell you what, three years later. There would have been some happier memories on the test in the test arena as well, Creams. Uh, I would imagine, despite the fact that Zimbabwe lost to Sri Lanka, your test hundred would have been something very special. Uh, I, I would imagine that that would come stand or spring to mind. And what what would your best sort of the bowling performance that you enjoyed the most? What would you say? Which one would that be in terms of test matches? Uh, probably the test match in Sri Lanka. I mean, I, I've had I've had a couple that stand out, but um, the test match in Sri Lanka, the one-off uh, where I got five and four, um, that was that was that was good for me because, like Sri Lankans are, are so tough to bowl to in their home conditions, um, and luckily the the ball was spinning a bit. Um, but I thought, you know, it, it came out nicely and, you know, again, I was captain, so there was that extra pressure on me um, to think about everyone else as well as, you know, be, still be on top of my game. Um, so, so that one really stands out. And I'll tell you what, a, a test match that we played against New Zealand in Bulawayo. Oh, yes. And I only got... Two, two wickets in the in the two innings, but to be honest, the feeling um, of the way I bowled, I felt like that's some of the best I bowled in a Test match. So it wasn't always about the wickets; it was just about as a leg spinner, it's like feeling the ball come out. And you know, sometimes on your day you you don't bowl so well and you get five wickets and some days you, you bowl your best and you can travel. So that's, <laughs> that's sort of part of the game. But for me, it's like when the ball came out the best and when I was feeling good and that, that was, that was one of them. And, and 
it seemed to me, Creams, that you had a very good relationship with uh, the coaching staff at the time. So Streaky, he's Streak being the head coach, uh, Lance Klusner as batting coach, and then uh, Makai and Tini as the bowling coach. Now, what did, was, what did those three individuals bring uh, to the dressing room, if I could, because they're all very different. Makai, very vociferous and noisy. Streaky, well, he's just streaky. And Lance Klusner, very quiet and reserved. But when he speaks, certainly from my perspective, when he speaks, you listen to what he has to say. But so just try and give us an idea as to what, you know, three different things you would have learned as captain from those three individuals. Yeah, I mean, I mean, all three of those guys—they all—they all brought their own experience and um, attributes to the table, um, you know. So, what I liked about it is those three guys—they were cohesive. Like everyone knew their role and what we were trying to achieve, and we all bought into the same sort of thing um, in order to get better. And like I say, Lance—he was. When he did speak, he spoke so much sense and I could see him like chatting to a batter and then I could see the batter get up and walk away, sort of nodding his head like, yeah, I really got something out of that chat. Um, and Makaya, I mean, his, his main domain was dealing with the seamers um, and you could see the same thing with that, like from his experience playing for South Africa and, you know, passing that on. I mean, Makai played for so long. Um, so just per, um, passing on. And, I mean, Makai played with, like, great, great players like Callis and Smith and all of that. So he learned so much. And then, like, for him to pass that on, I mean, anyone would want, want to sit down and listen to that. Um, and Streaky is always so cool around most situations. Um, I get along with Streaky so well. Um, and I think me and Streaky, we, we worked so, so well as a, as a team together. Like we would, would always try and help, you, help each other out in, in certain aspects. Like um, if, if there was a video conference or something that I don't really like talking in, like Streaky would jump in and you'd be like, okay, let me take this and yeah. things like that. Yeah. So I really enjoyed my time with Streaky and all the other coaches um, and it was it was it was the best fitting coach for that team at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Graham Creamer, it's been an absolute joy and pleasure talking to you. It's been wonderful getting into your mind and you know hearing about your your new role at the Rajasthan Royals Academy as the director. And uh, just take this opportunity to wish you nothing but the very best, and we'll continue to watch you develop and grow from strength to strength over the years. Wishing you all the very very best. Time to you, Dino. Uh, it was awesome to chat again, and hopefully we'll catch up soon. Uh, you've been listening to the Dean at Stunts podcast. It's me, Dean Duplessis. We'll be back again with uh, another interview pretty soon, but until then, it's goodbye. You've been listening to Dean at Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast. 